We cover the latest Fed minutes and what in the world they told us. Jamie Dimon on the Federal Reserve and U.S. economy. The latest macro data points to a tight labor market and accelerating inflation. We cover NVIDIA, Block, and Coinbase earnings. And, of course, the crypto industry continues to crumble. This is the Running With The Money show powered by Donate Capital and Pounding the Table. Let's get into it. Not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every time. Money never sleeps, pal. Just made 800000 Hong Kong gold. There are three ways to make a living in this business. First, be smarter or cheaper. What is up and welcome back to the Running With The Money show. I'm your host, Luke Donay, and let's get the hell into the show. Now, shifting into, of course, a headline that many swept over this week. It was the Federal Reserve Minutes. What in the world was the Fed up to at the latest FOMC? And we're going to dig right into it. So as we all know, they went up 25 bips, basically 0.25 percentage points. That was the hike at the last meeting. And we all know that it's much smaller than the 50 and that's much smaller than the 75 that they were doing at previous meetings. And many Federal Reserve officials, according to the minutes, admitted that, look, inflation is coming down. We see the downtrend off highs in the CPI. We see it in the PCE. We see it in the PPI. We see it in all these inflation measures, which is good. But they also said, look, we haven't done enough to counter inflation and we still have more work to go. In fact, they said, quote, inflation remained well above the Fed's 2% target. And then they went on to say, that the labor market, quote, remained very tight, contributing to continuing upward pressures on wages and prices. And this is no surprise because pretty much every episode of the show this year, we have been talking about this. The very fact that the Federal Reserve continues to use the labor market as their excuse to continue hiking and fighting the war of inflation. Now, shifting into what else the Fed Minutes told us, Many of the participants went into more detail about where they see inflation and what they see on the horizon. Quote, participants noted that inflation data received over the past three months showed a welcome reduction in monthly pace of price increases, but stressed that substantially more evidence of progress across the broader range of prices would be required to be confident that inflation was on a sustained downward path. So pretty much they're saying right there is, look, we're going to keep hiking rates. We're going to keep rates at an elevated rate for a pretty long time because we still see inflation as very elevated and therefore an issue. Now, they went on to actually talk about ongoing rates, and they did say pretty much every member that they believe ongoing rate hikes will be necessary. So no pause in sight, it seems, at least according to the latest details under the previous FOMC. Now, it's important to note that a, quote, few members did want to go 50 basis points. They did. Um, and those few members obviously didn't get the full say, um, but it does seem that there are still people in the Federal Reserve who want to be more aggressive. 
And that could play into the next meeting, given that between the last meeting and now throughout the last few weeks, we have gotten quite a bit of hot inflation data, whether that be the CPI, whether that be the labor market data, whether that be the PPI, or even this morning, the PCE, which we'll get into in just a few minutes. But overall, what these minutes told us is that more rate hikes are coming. Rates will stay elevated for longer. Inflation is still well above the Fed's target in 2% as the target for inflation is not going to change and that they are still very aggressive in fighting inflation. Now, shifting into these comments that we got out of Jamie Dimon from CNBC Thursday. So they did an interview on the halftime show, at least part of it aired then. And it was very interesting what he had to say. JP Morgan CEO, of course, Jamie Dimon. Now, Shifting in to what he said. He said in the interview first that, quote, I have all the respect for Fed Chair Jerome Powell. But the fact is we lost a little bit of control of inflation. So he was kind of saying there that, look, the Federal Reserve kind of lost control of the situation. And now they're trying to correct their previous mistake. Now, Diamond also himself said that he expects interest rates could, quote, possibly remain much higher for longer. So he's kind of just reiterating what Jerome Powell has been saying. And he also said it could take, quote, a while for the Federal Reserve to get to their goal of 2% inflation. Now, the most interesting comment out of this interview was when he said, quote, the U.S. economy right now is doing quite well. Consumers have a lot of money. They're spending it. Jobs are plentiful. That's today. Out in front of us, there's some scary stuff. You and I know there's always uncertainty. That's a normal thing. But he did say that he was not currently breaking out the recession playbook, which is very interesting. And why is this interesting? Because just a few months ago, the guy was saying that there was an economic hurricane and pretty much forecasting Armageddon. And now he's saying, look, the economy's all good. Um, nothing to worry about. The consumer's strong. And he's pointing to the very hot labor market data and the actual rebounding retail sales. It's very interesting how he has pivoted throughout the past few months. But those are some interesting comments and I wanted to bring them in to the show. Now, shifting into the latest macro data, and we have a lot to cover from the labor market to PCE. We're going to get into all of it, and we have to start with initial claims coming in, decreasing by 3,000 to 192,000, coming in hot once again for the week ended Feb 18. Now, the estimate was 200,000, so this report was coming in actually pretty darn hot. Now, continuing claims, which include people who have already received unemployment benefits for a week or more, that decreased by 37,000, which is the biggest drop we have seen since December to 1.65 million. And that's, of course, for the week ended Feb 11 because it lags by a week. And then on an unadjusted basis, initial claims dropped to 210,867. And that drop was led by Michigan and, of course, California. Now, shifting into the U.S. housing market, posting a $2.3 trillion drop. And this is, of course, a headline from Bloomberg, maybe trying to catch some eyes there. But this was the biggest drop we have seen in the value of U.S. housing since 2008. You heard that correctly. So back in June, the housing market peaked out at $47.7 trillion. And since then, it's declined 4.9% or $2.3 trillion in the second half of 2022. And that's according to real estate brokerage Redfin. Now, 
That is the largest drop we've seen, again, since 2008. And in 2008, the housing market between June and December, so the same time period, dropped by 5.8%. So we're not all too far off the drop that we saw in 08. Of course, if you actually went back and remember 08, I wasn't into, of course, trading in the macro at that time, but many people who are much older than me were that I know very well, and it was much worse than what we're seeing today. But with less competition due to, of course, elevated rates, the median U.S. home sale price was $383,249 last month, which is down from the peak of $433,133 in May, but still, I mean, that's pretty elevated compared to three, four years ago. Now, the biggest declines were in pricey cities such as San Francisco and New York. But guess what? There were still cities that actually saw growth. And of course, two key cities were in Florida, Miami and Northport, Saratosa. We also had Knoxville and Charleston moving to the upside as well. So the U.S. real estate market coming in, but there's still some cities sticking it out. And then we have this PCE data that came in hot just this morning, literally not even an hour ago. The personal consumption expenditures price index, excluding food and energy, jumped to 0.6% for the month and was up 4.7% from a year ago. Now, Wall Street had expected a month-over-month reading of 0.5% and a year-over-year reading of 4.4%. So those expectations were pretty much blown out of the water. PCE core reading coming in hot. Now, when it comes to the headline read, that increased month-over-month 0.6% and came in at 5.4% year over year, which came in well above expectations as well. Now, if we search through this report and we try to figure out why did we see such a large month over month tick and such a large year over year tick, what we see is that a 2% rise in energy prices in January heavily contributed to this increase. Food prices increased 0.4% and goods and services both increased 0.6% for the month of January. And those were the key contributors to the increase in PCE. Now, consumer spending, that also rose more than investors were expecting, jumping by 1.8% for the month compared to the estimate of 1.4%. So consumer spending coming in hot. Once again, the consumer continues to run strong. Personal income actually increased 1.4%. That's higher than the 1.2% estimate. And personal savings rate, that was also up to 4.7%. So you look at this data, whether you're looking at the labor market or PCE or CPI, we've been getting hot data literally for the past three, four weeks now. And this is a major issue because what it's showing is despite the Fed's action, inflation in the economy remains resilient. And of course, there are some negatives. You're certainly seeing some things come down. We just talked about the housing market peaking out here in the United States. So there is definitely effects, but you're still seeing resilience and the Fed doesn't want to see that. The market makers and hedge funds run the market. But what if I told you there was a platform that provided unique insights into hidden hedging, exposing the smart money's active positions. Rocket Scooter revolutionizes technical analysis, utilizing liquidity data to reveal high reward, lower setups for any market environment. Not only that, but Rocket Scooter provides you with live stream trading every weekday, detailed training videos, personal coaching, and access to a private trading community of over 3,000 traders. Check out Rocket Scooter easy-to-use platform that includes automatic liquidity mapping and customizable scanners and much more. In fact, this tool is so awesome, I use it in my daily trading strategy. So, 
Go give Rocket Scooter a try completely free using the link rocketscooter.com forward slash Luke. Again, that's rocketscooter.com forward slash Luke. Let's get back to the show. Now, shifting away from all the macro data news and commentary, we need to jump in to some individual company news. And let's kick it off with NVIDIA earnings. It was arguably the biggest earnings of the week. In fact, I'm just going to say it It was. Everyone was expecting this and everyone was saying, look, this is going to determine where the market goes this week. This is going to determine direction. And sure enough, shortly after we got NVIDIA earnings, the market decided to pick a direction and we've seen some major downside sessions. But shifting in to NVIDIA here, they delivered an EPS of 88 cents adjusted and that was compared to 81 cents expectations. So overall, they did beat on EPS. Net income in the quarter ended Jan 29 was more than halved from the prior year. It fell to $1.41 billion or 57 cents per share from $3 billion or $1.18 a share. So a big time decline in net income revenue coming in at 6.05 billion dollars. Now you'd think that's good. That was above expectations of 6 billion, but everyone saw the headline that Nvidia beats and they didn't realize that $6.05 billion represents a 21% decline in revenue from $7.64 billion same time last year. So they saw a 21% decline in revenue and the stock still went up over 10%. I mean, this was insane. Now, data center revenue increased 11% on an annual basis to $3.62 billion. NVIDIA also reported $1.83 billion in fourth quarter gaming revenue. That was down 46% from last year and their professional visualization business for designers. That reported $226 million in revenue. That was down 65% year over year. And then automotive revenue was up 135% from last year at $294 million for the quarter. So overall, there were some bright spots when you dig in the revenue, but it was down overall 21%. So while they did beat expectations, they saw their net income cut in half and revenue drop by over 20%. I mean, these were some pretty negative numbers and the street was seemingly just looking at estimates and the reported, you know, outputs, which is kind of ridiculous. Now, NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong, he said on the call with analysts that AI, because, you know, AI has been a big topic, is at, quote, the inflection point that is going to push businesses of all sizes, according to him, to purchase NVIDIA chips and develop machine learning software, which is an interesting take. He went on to say, quote, generative AI versatility and capability has triggered a sense of urgency at enterprises around the world to develop and deploy AI strategies. Now, when it comes to guidance, what is NVIDIA expecting? They're expecting first quarter sales to come in at $6.5 billion, which is higher than the expectation set by Wall Street of $6.33 billion. So overall, the earnings weren't bad, but there were certainly some big time negative numbers in there. Now, shifting in to block earnings, they missed the mark. They missed expectations and the stock got hit. They delivered an EPS of 22 cents and that was compared to an adjusted EPS expectation of 30 cents. So they did miss. Um, the company posted a non-adjusted net loss of $114 million, which is roughly 19 cents a share. And then if you shift into revenue, revenue coming in at $4.65 billion. And that was compared to expectation to $4.61 billion. So it was a miss on EPS and it was a beat on revenue. Now, if we take a look at their gross profit, they delivered $1.66 billion of gross profit. That was up 40% from a year ago. Not too bad there. And it beat Wall Street expectations $1.53 billion. Now, if we dig into where that profit is coming from, 
The cash app business reported $848 million in gross profit, which is roughly 64% year over year in terms of increase. Now, you also saw its cash app card generate more than $750 million in gross profits in 2022, and that was up 56% from a year ago. And then you also saw their point of sale business, Square, that saw gross profit increase by 22% year over year to $801 million. So if you dig into those details, I mean, the numbers in terms of gross profit were pretty good, um, but they did miss on EPS. Now, Block, of course, it was formerly known as Square. They did tell CNBC, according to articles in a call, that the company ended the year with 51 million monthly transacting actives for Cash App in December, with two out of three transacting each week on average. So their user base is sizable, certainly, which is also a net positive. So block numbers mixed, but mostly negative. And then shifting into probably one of the most interesting earnings reports of the week, and that being Coinbase. Bidding expectations, but boy, oh boy, the damage continues, and we're going to get into that right now. So they delivered a loss of $2.46 per share, and that was compared to an expected loss of $2.55. So they did beat on EPS terms. They did beat, um, but it's still a sizable loss. And the company also reported a non-adjusted net loss of $557 million a year after they generated a net income of $840 million. My oh my, that's a sizable decline. Revenue came in at $629 million. That beat expectations of $590 million set by analysts. But that $629 million in revenue represents a 75% decline in revenue year over year. My oh my, 75%. Can you imagine if you were holding a much larger well-known company and they delivered 75% year over year decline in revenue? I mean, the stock would absolutely collapse, which is insane given Coinbase's reaction. Now, shifting in it to their transaction revenue, that fell 12% to $322 million from the previous quarter. And that was also below the $327 million set and expected by analysts. Now, Coinbase's user base continues to shrink, unfortunately, and that's also a key issue for Coinbase. The company noted that it had 8.3 million monthly transacting users, also known as MTUs, which during the fourth quarter is down from 8.5 million from the same time last year, which is not good. Now, analysts were expecting 8.22 million, so that also came in above expectations, but still a decline in the users is just a big time negative. And trading volume fell by 9% to $145 billion from the previous quarter. Now, what in the world are they saying in terms of guidance? Now, for Q1, they expect, this is Q1 2023, they expect, Projected subscription and services revenue of $300 million to $325 million, as well as restructuring expenses of about $150 million. But they didn't give top-line revenue expectations. So we're still kind of like left in the dark on where revenue is going to come in in the first quarter of 2023. Now, shifting away from Coinbase, but staying within the crypto industry, this industry just continues to fall apart. Whether it's people getting arrested for fraud, massive companies collapsing, or tons of people getting laid off, it's definitely not positive, and it's not looking good for the crypto industry. And another example of that happening this week with crypto technology firm Polygon eliminating 20% of their workforce, Polygon Labs, is cutting 20% of their workforce, which is roughly 100 employees, 
but they're pretty small, obviously, if that's 20%. So they're cutting 20% of their workforce. They said the impact in employees will have three months of severance pay and the treasury of the company remains, quote, healthy, according to a blog post from Polygon with a balance sheet worth more than $250 million, according to them. But definitely, you know, this is just another example of the crypto industry just getting taken out to the woodshed and seeing continual collapse. Um, and many experts believe this is going to continue. You're going to continue to see more layoffs and shrinkage within this industry until the greater macro um, and the greater markets turn around in terms of the stock market, equity, it's all that kind of stuff. Anyway, that is the show today. And I thank you all for listening um, every single time. Uh, and I hope you all continue to listen. But until the next episode, I want you to go give my boys over at Pounding the Table a listen. I believe they're going to be coming out with more content very soon. So pay close attention to that. Good friends of mine, and they deliver great content. But you sleep profit, trade on, and I'll see you next week.